Hi, this is Lisa Tamati, bringing you Pushing the Limits, the show that gets deep into the psyche of limit pushers across all genres. Out-of-the-box thinkers, cutting-edge researchers, leaders, athletes, academics, entrepreneurs and social change innovators and more. Cutting to the chase to unlock the secrets of their success, their achievements, their philosophies and motivation. Join me in my quest to find out what makes the movers and shakers of our world tick and what gems of wisdom we can take from their experiences. Brought to you by runninghotcoaching.com, the platform that helps you achieve your health and fitness goals. Well, hi and welcome to the show, Pushing the Limits, where we sort of get in depth into the psyche of people who are pushing the limits and thinking outside the box. And today we've got uh, David Tate with us from the Kiwi Adventure Trust. G'day, David. How are you? How are you, Lisa? I'm very, very good. Now, David, you are the man behind the Kiwi Adventure Trust. Can you tell us a little bit about what that is and, and what sort of work you do? Okay, so we're an outdoor education trust. Uh, we established the trust five years ago but it was actually on the back of a whole lot of work that's had happened through the trust I was working with, which was the uh, it was the Atomic Event Centre Trust. And uh, so there was probably um, another 10 years of work prior to that. Uh, and basically, in a nutshell, we're about growing people through adventure and challenge activities. We do that in a whole bunch of different ways. We do it through the events we run. We run uh, several events, but it's also working with schools, uh, doing youth-focused uh, programs, and it's a whole lot of fun. It's a whole lot of fun. Now, David, give us a little bit of your background first before we get into the nitty-gritties of the of the, the trust and stuff. What's sort of your background? Where did you grow up? Tell us a bit about your life. Well, I was a bit concerned when I heard this. The uh, topic was, uh, well, this, the program was called <laughs> Pushing the Limits because I've never really thought I've pushed many limits. <laughs> My wife uh, says... She would tell me that I push her limits all the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I've, I've had an active active life. I'm um, uh, 45. Uh, grew up in the good old days of the 1970s, 1980s, where you climbed trees, fell out, and learned from it. And that kind of led through to uh, a passion in the outdoors. Uh, spent every weekend, or every second weekend as a young fella. Uh, as soon as my mate, who was a little bit older, he was 15, he could get his license, and we'd disappear into the bush walk as far as we could, climb as much as we could, carry as much as we could, and have as many laughs as we could. So that was a really good grounding for uh, getting into other stuff. In the 1990s, I, was, I got really attracted to multi-sport. I came to it on the background of a bit of uh, uh, cycling. Uh, so learned the other skills, the paddle and so on, on the back of that. Never actually been a particularly good runner, um, which... Uh, we're changing that, aren't we, David? Which is fantastic. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Um, so, uh, so I've done a uh, whole bunch of events uh, through the 1990s. Uh, so I've done, uh, I've, I'm just just about to do my fourth Coast to Coast. Uh, did something like uh, 15 Kawika Challenges, uh, a whole lot of Triple Peaks. I pretty much, if it was out there, I did it. Uh, and it was my life and my passion. So I did that through to the point that I got married and my wife said, look, you know, you've got this passion, you've got this enjoyment about what you do, uh, but I think you're just wasting your life and you should uh, do some study. <laughs> so she bundled me up in the car and we headed up to the Big Smoke in Auckland and I trained as an outdoor educator up there and uh, was really blessed to come back and fall straight back into a job with a, uh, 
a place that was uh, was called Workforce Consultants, and they were running a level three outdoor education course. And I did that for a couple of years before I went uh, full hog into youth work for um, for seven years. After that, where we created the New Zealand Secondary School of Metro Racing Champs and the Go for Twelve. Wow. So, okay, tell yeah, us about so that. Everything sort of leads on, doesn't it? Yeah, tell us about the secondary schools, champs, and what's that about? It was really quite funny because I'd gone and done the uh, Southern Traverse, which uh, has been pretty much replaced by the God Zone, so it's a non-stop uh, week-long adventure race, teams of four, and obviously I'd had a, a lot of uh, learning through adventure racing, multi-sports, um, mountain biking, and so on, and I found that uh, I learned a lot from what I'd done and mm. it made me a better person um, gave me more uh, resilience and so on so I was interested in that side for young people and we happened to be running a program with a bunch of kids that were coming to the centre and uh, they were lovely kids we couldn't have them in the centre though because they were did not play well with others so what we did is we we let them come on a Wednesday and we bundled them in a vehicle and took them off and did adventure stuff with them at no cost to them and uh, we had a couple of helpers, and one of the helpers, uh, she was only 14, but she was right into doing adventure stuff. And she'd done a, a local event, the six-hour adventure race, and she wanted to do some stuff that was tougher. And I said, you know, the reality is that in an adult race, you're just going to be eaten up by the competitors or the adults. So what there really needs to be is a race that's specifically designed for young people. And... Uh, Nicole said, oh, okay, well, then you'll organise it. Then. <laughs> <laughs> so that's and, how you um, get yourself deep in the, in, in, in the poo, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. And I went, oh, yeah, okay. Um, and I'd never run, never organised an event. I was running uh, lots of dance parties and so on with our youth programmes. We were doing a project-based literacy course. Uh, seems ironic that I'd be running dance parties, but uh, that was the interest. And that's key, you know, finding the interest of a young person or a person and uh, using that as the, the tool to develop them. Uh, so the backstory of that is uh, Nicole is now a, a fantastic PE teacher. Uh, she is uh, inspiring young people to do pretty much what she was inspired to do. Uh, and we're coming on, t- well, we just had our 10th anniversary for the event. Wow. So to go for 12, it's, uh, we ran it first in 2006 and Pretty much, the planning was on the back of a uh, of a notebook. <laughs> um, whole bunch of mates uh, came together, and we pulled it together. And we had twenty four teams from around the country turn up, and it was just a fantastic thing to happen. And we've been running it ever since. In two thousand seven, we managed to sanction it under the New Zealand Secondary School Bench Racing of uh, New Zealand Secondary School Sports Commission. Wow. Council, yep, and under Multisport New Zealand. So since then, it's been the nationals, which has been absolutely fantastic. Wow, 2007, we actually filmed it too. So that was uh, that was really interesting. We filmed it for TV3, and I still look back at that and see uh, what was happening in the event. But now, seeing where those young people are is absolutely fantastic. One of them is actually currently walking across the United States because. Um, he walked across New Zealand with the length of New Zealand and decided that he wanted to do something bigger. So <laughs> I, 
and I think um, being able to provide that sort of activity for young people is really, really key. And for us, it was actually the seeding for the trust. It's, it was like, well, yeah, we could do what we're doing and we could make it bigger. So let's pick out a couple of points here. You've talked about, you know, the benefit for children or for young people going out into nature. Resilience was a word that I picked up there. Um, what are the, yeah? What else is sort of things can you do? Kids learn why? Why is it important that our kids get out in the outdoors? Whether they're good athletes or not good athletes is probably beside the point, isn't it? Well, it is, and I'm glad you say that because I've never felt I've been a good athlete, but I've felt um, that I've achieved a lot, and a lot of that is actually in inward, and it also inspires you to do other stuff. I think by removing young people from digital technologies. Mm. Uh, they they learn other skills. It's great when you take a kid that's really into digital stuff and you see them uh, building towers out of stones. Um, you know, just feeling nature, understanding nature, uh, seeing cause and effect. And I think for me, seeing young people learn the consequences of their actions through the outdoors is key. Um, yep. If you don't wear a raincoat on a rainy day, you get wet. But we have we've insulated uh, young people from consequences in a lot of what we do. Um, you can completely trash someone online, and it can be just seen as well. That, that's just what you do. Where in the outdoors, um, if you if you're rude or horrible to someone, they may not help you when you need to get up something. They may not take your pack. Or you may get to the heart and suddenly discover that there's some extra rocks sitting in your pack that mysteriously <laughs> ended up in your pack after you were nasty to someone. So, <laughs> Yeah, so you're teaching them what the real, uh, well, getting them out of this technical world for a while and reconnecting them with nature and, and making them realise there are consequences to their actions because I think a lot of, uh, yeah, like you say, our young people are disconnected and, and don't, you know, if, like you say, if you don't pack your raincoat, and you're out in the bush for a week, and it's pouring with rain, you're going to be bloody miserable, aren't you? Well, yeah. I mean, you could die. Exactly. I mean, the yep. bottom line is, uh, one of the things I, I really enjoy, I didn't, I love epics, and I guess it's a failing. I love those times where you have to dig deep, use your technical skills, use your team, and uh, get yourself to the end. And one of the cool things is seeing young people, seeing anyone, um, but young people grow uh, progressively. So we've just done a program, we do it in partnership with Foundation of Youth Development, it's called Project K. And the Project K is a 14-month program, it's a mentoring program, and they start off with 21 weeks with us, and the first four days is about uh, setting the ground rules, there's the induction, then there's uh, four days of expedition training, and then they spend uh, 13 days coming home. And this year they <coughs> they had three inches of snow one morning that they had to cycle in for the next eight hours. Oh. They had um, freezing cold white water. And it was, it was really, really tough and challenging. Now, the really cool thing for us was we started with 12 boys, annoying boys, and we... <laughs> finished with 12 young men then I said to them I'd be proud to call any of you guys my friends because they grew so much they ended up supporting each other incredibly 
mean, we had um, we had some really cool stuff happen uh, around the dynamics of the group, and also just seeing them uh, struggle and make it through. Uh, one boy on the because I was with the expedition for seven days, and every day he would come to me and he'd say, "Dave." Can I go home? I want to go home. And he cry at night. And mm. he, he was just miserable. And I said, you know, stick in there, stick in there. And just as I was leaving, he came over and he said, oh, Dave, thanks so much for making me stay because awesome. I know, you know, the value of it now. And it was really cool. And just seeing him grow, you know, he didn't quit. You know, it's too easy for young people to quit. And... Uh, we we don't want that. We want people to stick through the hard stuff because life's going to have hard times. Eh? That's right. So mental fortitude is something that you're really teaching them through their connection with nature and having to overcome some horrific things maybe, you know, in difficult situations and cold and freezing and, and your teammates not doing what they should be. There is just so many lessons and I think what the work that you're doing is um, probably well, I know it's not recognised enough, you know. And I'd love I'd love to see every one of our children really go through a program like this. That would be the ideal world. Uh, yeah, it would be. <laughs> it would be part of the graduation process out of high school. Would be to to go and do this type of education, and, and because I really do I do think. Um, a lot of the kids have had soft upbringings. I mean, you, you should, we shouldn't generalise too much, but um, thinking of a few specific cases, even in, in my own family, you know, where you see the kids have grown up too soft and the outcomes of that is them getting into drugs, is getting getting into bullying or being bullied, um, not being able to get into a workplace, not having respect for for authority. Um, there's a whole lot of range of consequences through not having had to learn these types of behaviours out in out in the nature and and that teamwork environment. I think it's absolutely crucial. Yeah, well, we're looking at doing some stuff for some unemployed people. Um, sort of 18 to 24 year olds and we're really excited about it because if you can change people's habits and the way they approach life you don't only just change their life around them being unemployed but you also change their their health habits you change their uh, their fitness you change the families that will come um, in the years to come with them and you, you just change the world and yeah I'm very aware that there's some fantastic people using other tools, music and, and art and so on, but our vehicle is outdoors. Yep. And we we know with uh, good staff, with um, good communication with organisations we work with, we can have some really good outcomes. But the kicker is we don't change anyone. It's about them. They have to acknowledge uh, that, that they want to do something or or have a, a fire in their stomach. And I guess that's why I I like challenges. And admittedly, for the last five years, uh, most of my energy has been going into my trust. And uh, just lately, it's it's been an eye-opener for me going, okay, but I, I need to get out and do stuff myself mm. because uh, you're a little bit like a, a glass of water and if you're always pouring it out, um, you just end up nothing in it. So 
Absolutely, yeah. You've got to you've so, got to regenerate yourself and look after yourself because at the end of the day, like you, um, you're, you're around my age, so I can say we're middle aged, and um, <laughs> and you do you get into a role of mentoring, coaching, giving, 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 working hard in your business, working hard at, at what you're trying to achieve, and um, someone's got to be topping you up as well. And I think. Um, that comes back to some. What are some of the difficulties from bureaucracy, from lack of funding, from from that point of view? What sort of uh, obstacles have you run into in, in that sort of side of things? All of it. <laughs> what help do you need, David? <laughs> if we were talking in out there in the um, ether with somebody listening who could give you a whole a pot of gold and stuff. Um, what would you do with it? How would you? How many lives would you be able to change? What would you be able to do with it? And what are some of your frustrations? It's really interesting because when we started the trust, uh, look, knowing what I know now, I wouldn't have. Um, and sometimes, uh, yeah, it was. It's kind of that race that you're halfway through, you wish you hadn't started, but you're just too headed to pull out. Yes, I've um, been there, done that. Uh, I can relate. Yep. DNF is, is not something I do, and I, <laughs> I know you don't either, unless you. <laughs> unless you bloody have to. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, but I lost it. But owning those lessons has been really important. Owning the, the mistakes that we made around, uh, I guess, the finances of, of it. Uh, what do we need? Um, Oh, we just need more supporters, to be honest. That's what we need. We're, we're starting to get uh, some people who are jumping on board and, and supporting what we do. Uh, we're seeing the, the strength of collective approaches. And also, I guess uh, one of the big challenges for us in a lot of our organisations is legislation. Uh, the whole health and safety stuff yeah. is a fantastic thing to do, um, but it just costs so much money and yeah. it's certainly and- creating... Um, you know, a big unnecessary in, in finances for organisations, and I think going forward, uh, I think there needs to be a cost per benefit uh, equation done. And going, you know, if you if you want this stuff to happen, and you you need all these audits and, and um, surveillance, they call it, uh, you you need to figure out how to make sure that the the sector still survives because. I, I firmly believe that if we have uh, some kids for a week, uh, we can do more more difference in the attitudes than a whole whole uh, year of school. Yeah. So it's yeah. about figuring that out. So that's it. That because yeah, you're going into the outdoors. There's certain risks involved with with being you know in nature that can throw anything at you, and and you have to have your safety precautions and stuff. But it, it's something that's hitting race directors. It's, it's hitting the outdoor sector where we get to a point of ridiculousness in, uh, in certain areas of health and safety and then we're not paying attention in the other areas. And uh, I don't know what the solution is. I mean, whether it's just bureaucracy gone wild in, in a lot of things where it costs you more to do the audits, to do the... And people like you who have got, you know, so much passion and drive actually get to a point of saying, well, stuff it, I can't be bothered anymore. You know, and that, that sort of talent getting lost to New Zealand because of the fact that there's so much crap, for the want of a better word, to get through. Um, is that, you know, I've seen that in, in, in other areas of industry. Is that something that you're facing too in the outdoor sector? I think what we're hoping is, this, is the pendulum swing. 
and we think the pendulum swung too far mm. and because it's new no one's kind of figured out what the real need is and you uh you just watch the cost going up and and it's something that we we're having to find the, the uh funds to do it and it's the time um i worked out that it cost us over twenty thousand dollars last year uh with our time and all the audits and that's a big chunk of money when the previous year you made half of that at all and, and wow. the two years before that you lost um we don't talk about it on the radio. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I know what you mean. I hear what you're saying, that there's a huge chunk of your budget just going in. Before you actually get to provide actually any services or change any kids' lives, there's a huge obstacle of, of money, of time, of auditing, of, of procedures. Um, yeah, it's finding that happy medium of where, you yes, you need to keep the kids safe, um, but also... You can't. If we mollycoddle everything in life, and we don't take any risks, if we don't teach kids to tr- climb trees, if we don't let them go out in the surf in case a shark will bite them or whatever, you know, you, how far do you take that risk aversion? Because you, at the other end of it, you're going to have other social implications of that risk aversion. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. It's it's an interesting period for everyone, I think, with the. Uh new stuff come through because I think and uh, I, I do believe it's made people more safety conscious and we've had a, a fantastic safety record I think we've had one kid break their leg um, in all the, in the five years that we've been doing it and there was a girl that was climbing up the uh, the climbing wall without a rope um, when her parents stood there and watched her do it and mm. fell off and uh, broke her leg and that's really the only serious harm we've had um, on the expedition. We had a kid that had a heart uh, issue and we had to evacuate, but that wasn't us, that was uh, his body. Yeah, 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 you've got to get these things. saying that, you know, we, we had him, um, and thanks to um, the fantastic people with the rescue helicopter, we had him out, out, of, out of there as soon as they had a helicopter uh, available and he was in a hospital and within two hours. And if we didn't have all the technology, the GPS, uh, the POB and the uh, IC spots and the sat phone, uh, he would have had to have wait to, waited to the morning and we don't know what would have happened to him if yeah. he had, had that. So, so it worked. That, uh, your, your controls you worked. And, and you always, I mean, as, as a director of a trust in, in the outdoors, you have the chance of, staying up all night worrying about what if because <laughs> as you said sometimes things happen um, you know one day we were walking along and a kid in front of me just randomly fell off the track and you know it was his bumbling feet but <laughs> it, you know there's no safety rail in the middle of the no and then, nor should so, there be <laughs> yeah so he's tumbling down um, and it's about how you know how you deal with that and I mean he wasn't hurt but for me, I, I made sure I stood next to him because he, he fell over another three times. Yeah. Uh, just mm-hmm. because he falls over. <laughs> yeah, he's a bit bumbly. Um, but things <laughs> happen. And, um, you know, when uh, I, I love what Nigel Latter said about, you know, stopping kids climbing trees, you know, they might fall out or don't let go. And <laughs> I think that's the, the big lesson. Actually, and not yet. And I think yeah. saying, don't yeah. do stuff instead of do, do it safely. 
Yeah. And we're trying to put a lot of effort into that uh, locally because, I, you know, when I'm training, well, I spend a lot of time in rivers and you'll be paddling along, you'll see some um, muppet past you <laughs> with no helmet, no buoyancy aid, uh, bear in hand in a li- on a lilo on a grade two river. <laughs> and I can't <laughs> not. And... <laughs> You think, well, Darwin's theory's not quite working there. <laughs> or he's got away with it so far. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and the, the risk is uh, you have uh, kids coming through or people that um, aren't good swimmers or whatever. I mean, I've seen some people do some pretty dodgy stuff in the outdoors and get away with it. Um, but you can only push it to a certain point. Yeah. And at that point, if you get it wrong, um, it's, it's a time in a box. So it, it is a worry. Yeah, I mean, risk risk aversion is something that I that I lecture on or talk about. Um, the because my 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 thing in life is you should take you should be a risk taker in general, but you should be a prepared and calculated risk taker. So you, in other words, you learn to prepare properly, you plan properly, you you do your 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 strategic planning around it, and then you take your chances out there on the day. Yeah, and and I think that's the only way to go through life. If you go through life avoiding any sort of risk factors, well, one, you're never going to reach your potential. Two, you're going to have a hell of a boring life, um, and, and three, you won't grow as an individual because whether it's in business or whether it's in your your, your family or your work life, well, if we were all so risk averse, well, we would never have kids because how risky is that for starters? Um, oh, totally. You know, we would never go into business because 90% of, I don't know, startups fail in the first five years, don't they? Um, you know, there's so many statistics that you can throw at things. Or you can say, well, I'll do my best, I'll plan and I'll prepare. And, and being in the outdoors teaches you to be prepared because, um, was it you that said to me, oh, when you're halfway up, no, Annie Doyle last week on the, on the show, she said to me, you know, if you're halfway up a mountain and you forgot your crampons, you're not going anywhere and you might have spent, you know, $100,000 getting to Everest and you're halfway up the mountain and you've forgotten them. <laughs> you are responsible. And that I think yep. taking that ownership, that responsibility, um, and that's something that the outdoors will teach these kids, you know, because they don't always see the consequences. And you're the adult. You can give them those experiences so that they can make that change and that development as they grow. And you know, I used to think it'd be great to have all our kids go through army training, but now I actually think no, it'd be great for them all to go through David Tate training. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've never endorsed But the reality is that uh, there's great people doing stuff all over New Zealand, and we've been working with the likes of uh, Darren Ashmore, who does the Get to Go. Yeah, the Get to Go. Uh, I think they have fourteen hundred kids doing a a smaller version of the, of the Go for 12, which is what we do. And it's really cool seeing those kids uh, learn and develop through what they do. It, it is interesting, though, because we always talk about kids. You know, I guess we, uh, I know I'm youth centric, uh, but adults can learn so much through getting out in the outdoors. And I, I feel really sorry when I sit with someone and they say, oh, yeah, I used to do that when I was younger. Uh, I don't do any of that stuff anymore. Yep. And, and one of the pleasures for me is actually spending time with my son and doing doing the stuff with him. And it's actually really good. Uh, yeah, I, it's a really good motivator. It gets me out more doing it too. And then you've got that family element too, which is 
really, really special. Yeah, because see, this is an area that I'm, so you're more youth-centric, I'm more into getting old people like us back yeah. into it. <laughs> We're really young, really, aren't we? Um, but so that sort of leads on to you, David, and your involvement with with us and how we got to know you is um, through Running Hot Coaching and um, that you were doing a big challenge this year and, yeah, you, re- you recognised a need for you to get back out because you're spending so much time building this this empire that you are. Um, but recognising, <laughs> recognising too that yeah, hey, I've got to stay on top of it for my own health, for my own. So, what, what's your advice to middle ages like us who haven't been out in the outdoors for a while and they've lost that connection? Can they do it again? Can they get back out there? Oh, totally. Yeah, totally. And one of the cool things now is that we have so much technology that can make it easier for you know, 45 plus people to do stuff um, because we don't have to carry the great big heavy packs that we used to carry as, you know, when I was a you know, 12, 16 year old. Uh, there's uh, light boots, there's light shoes and the, yeah, so much more comfort. Uh, same with mountain biking. Um, there's been such a surge in 50 plus mountain bikers out there because of the full suspension bikes. Oh. As we get older, we get, you know, obviously our backs get more of an issue. And, uh, you know, a 50 year old uh, guy or girl tends to have the kids out of the, out of the family. So they're looking for something. And there's been a huge amount of people getting on bikes and riding and um, doing mountain biking, which they probably would never, never have done. But the technology has actually pulled up. What would be my advice? Uh, my advice would be. Have some goals. I think that's key. So have some things that you want to take off so that you've got some motivation. And that's why I set the events because we, uh, we've been really busy with work and I've been getting less and less fit, uh, a lot more time sitting in front of computers, mm. and I'm motivated by events. And that's why... I said the coast because, you know, the one-day coast-to-coast, you know, it's a big challenge. And the only way to get there is to um, become fit and healthy and focused. So that's uh, that so, was my the reason. So for events, it's, I mean, for a lot of people, there's like this huge obstacles to entry for fear of, oh, I'm not the super athlete, I'm, oh, I'm not, you know, uh, I couldn't I couldn't do that type of thing, you know. Um, and it, it's... When I see people and I'm training them and coaching them, the biggest job I have as a coach is to get them to believe that they can do it. Whether it's slowly or or not, that's not the point. Whether they can actually finish some of these bigger epic goals um, and sort of find out what they made. And it's the same process that those kids go through. The change in the person, their confidence, the the getting back to how they might have felt when they were 20 or perhaps they never did, you know, um, and reconnecting them with them, with their own body and their own ability to function out in nature is... Because um, we get to 50 or, you know, we're getting close to it, um, or our age, and you think, oh, I'm getting a bit old, I should probably take it all easier. And I actually think the opposite is true. I'm getting older, so I better work harder. Yeah, well, it's interesting because... One of the people that come out comes out with me heaps is my father-in-law, and so we've been 
uh, we do heaps of kayaking together, I take him caving, we do tramping, and he pretty much runs Tomato Peak at least once or twice a week, and he's 76. Wow. So, you know, if he can be still doing it, keeping fit and healthy at 76, there's very few excuses for other people. Yes, we can have, have injuries, and that's another reason I signed up with you guys, is um, training different so that um, I'm not injuring myself because my old approach was just go out and just smash, smash yourself. It. <laughs> <laughs> just smash it. Yeah, you know? that's basically uh, how we all grew up. You, if you're training for event, yeah, just, just every waking hour, just ride the bike and, and run the hills <laughs> and, and, and it'll make a difference. No planning, so, just get out there, yeah. <laughs> and that's again where the technology and the research and the studies and the knowledge, the body of knowledge that's now available to coaches and um, and self experimentation. You can do it with less time because yep. we're all busy, you know, professional lives, etc. Um, and you can do it in a more um, controlled manner and we can cut corners. I mean, like you say, like when I was starting ultramarathon running or adventures or trekking or whatever, I had no idea. I just got up and trained the shit out of myself all day, every day. Um, and for better or worse, I, I certainly wasn't efficient in my training. And now, you know, time's precious and I train more, much more efficiently. I've got a whole lot more knowledge. And, and again, for, for people getting back into it, it's a bit like that comfortable mountain bike, you know. <laughs> you don't have to spend as many hours as you perhaps did when you were 20, you know. There's more smarter ways of doing things. Oh, totally. And I've spoken a little bit about goals, and I think having multiple goals in different areas of your life is really important. Mm. So, you know, don't just end up being the, the person who just trains for their events and forgets about relationships with family and, and their partners and in society and so on so and that's been key for me is uh trying to get that balance where uh you know I'm, I'm really passionate about what i do for work um and i live and breathe it but at the same time i have a family so it's actually finding those opportunities to like i said go out tramping with my son uh and finding the balance do you and think you think as you get older you start to realize times you know getting a little bit short and i start to think because it's very easy when you're a passionate person like we are about our projects and our and our work to get completely tied up in the whole thing and you just go on 24-7 and then you forget to live and breathe, <laughs> have some fun and spend time with your family instead of, um, you know, uh, occasionally, you know, Dad will stop me and want to have a chat and I'm like, oh, I've got to go, got to go, got to go. Uh, come on, Dad, you know, hurry up, tell me what you want to tell me and then I'm, I'm out of here. And then afterwards you think, actually... That's precious time that I should be spending, you know, with the people that you love. Isn't that the whole point at the end of the day? So don't look, you know, don't um, <laughs> not be able to see the trees for the forest or what, what's that saying? Um, yeah, that's the one. Yeah. <laughs> you, you've got to keep a sight of why you're doing all this too and, and, and the people that you love and care about and uh, your family um, and giving them the time of day. <laughs> yeah. Your son, for example, you know, he's growing up. Uh, you won't yeah, actually spend time. Window. You know, yeah. For me, I mean, he's 12 and, um, you know, I've seen kids, by the time I hit 17, you know, they're not really interested in hanging out with Dad. Yeah. Uh, I'm hoping he will be, that he'll be, you know, involved in the outdoors. And at that point, I'll probably say, no, son, I don't want to paddle grade four today or grade five. <laughs> um, and I guess the other thing uh, that uh, is really important is creating cultures, like creating uh cultures and 
things that we do and so it's almost habit so making sure that you are spending time in family uh, I'm my wife to say <laughs> are you really because <laughs> um, it is a challenge and it I, is. like last year I was doing way too much and and I was studying, I was running youth group, I was doing um, the, the trust, um, I was running all the events, and all of it, and I was handling everything until one day I wasn't. Yes. And I just um, I just felt angry. Yep. I, I just wasn't handling it. And mentally, I just got to that point where the brain said, no, nah, enough is enough. And that was partly fitness. It was, because uh, for me, Getting out and actually uh, running or, or doing exercise helps my brain come back into uh, a, a normality. Yes, and clear and clears the mind. And, and I think that's one of the risks of really passionate people who are goal orientated or or uh, vision uh, visionaries is you just live vision and yeah. sometimes you lose vision. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's that forest and trees thing. Yeah, you, yeah you're yeah, so totally. dedicated <laughs> to it. Yeah, jumped out and, and yeah. Uh, tried to eat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're too busy looking at the top of the mountain and where you want to get to and you trip over your feet on the way <laughs> or you run yeah. into the bear who eats you and you don't make it. And I think there, there, there's a danger. I mean, I've noticed it in my life in the last few years um, and I'm consciously trying to spend more time I think and you get the older you get the more panicky you get about the time that you've got left to achieve everything that you want to do so you end up just running faster and faster until you like you say you have those days when suddenly suddenly you crash Um, so I think it's protecting yourself from those those crashes and trying to recognise that you know we're meant to be getting wiser as we get older I think we're just getting more panicky I don't know (laughs) got more to fit in and I have to achieve this and I want to tick that box and I want to do this and that and I want to save the world which you're doing you know Um, but at the end of the day you've still got to save yourself and and it's like, you know, talking to mothers of little children, I haven't got the time to be go, go and spend on my fitness. Well, if you don't, you will die an earlier death probably. Um, you won't have the quality of life and then you won't be there for your children. And when you put it into those terms, yep. that sort of turns them around to go, you know, I was talking to a lady yesterday who was, you know, weight troubles, diabetes, but she's, you know, so busy with, with life and family and looking after every other bugger that I haven't got time, I haven't got, but if you don't make time, you're likely to die of a heart attack, you know, um, and if, if or, or some other horrible thing. So make time because that has to be your number one priority and that's putting your actual, actually putting your family and your other business first by putting yourself first. Um, yeah, and the reality too is uh, health and fitness is not just about getting out and, and doing the exercise. It's about what you're putting in your body. It's about drinking. Yes. It's about, you know, moderating drink and, and I think if a lot more people just did that part, uh, they'd be a lot fitter and healthier. And it's—I mean—that's the other thing about what we're doing is we're seeing this epidemic of obesity. Yes. Uh, yeah. I'm—I'm I'm not exactly a little person, and uh, my my genetics would actually say that I need to watch what I eat and exercise. And one of the problems is I spend. Uh, in years just training and just burning stuff up wasn't too worried about what I put in my mouth because it would just be burnt up because yeah. you know I was spending yeah. like at one point I was 
biking 90k every day and um and i uh anyway when i stopped i just had the same food habit mm. yes yeah, i've got that problem so, yeah. <laughs> keep eating like you were training like an idiot and yeah whammo <laughs> <laughs> yeah so and, and i think our bodies change and i think it's acknowledging where you are in in your life and you know having Oh, you know, just have, having a good life. I, I walked into a shop today and the shop assistant said, you know, how's your day? And I said, yeah, good, you know. Life's too short to have bad days. Because, <laughs> you know, we, you know I, I've heard, heard you say several times, you know, we've you know, got limited time. And we all do, but we don't know how much we've got. No. And, you know, um, could have, be hit by a bus, you know, tomorrow. And, and you know, today could be the last day. So... You know, within the visions and the the goals that we're trying to achieve, you need to have minute, miniature goals and just you know enjoy life and enjoy those people around you and and so on. So and I guess that's one of the reasons I work with young young people because uh, they bring a lot of joy. They bring a lot of challenge. But they bring a lot of joy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they do bring a lot of challenge. You know? <laughs> but yeah, you're right. They and you the positivity and the, and the, the the everything's ahead of them and and before them. Um, you know, and they they haven't been jaded and perhaps not so cynical and, and closed-minded as some, some older people. But then they're facing a whole lot of new challenges. Now, our young people are facing a completely different world than we were when we grew up. Yes. What are some of the dangers that you see? In the, you know, in the time that you've been working with kids, what what sort of differences have you seen in their behaviours and their, their obviously the technology, the digital side of it? What what fears do you have around that? Well, I, I have a digital child. <laughs> my son, without a doubt, is going to be working in some sort of technology. And he's been brought up in it. And even in a digital world, he's still sort of at a level above a lot of other kids. So for me, it's finding balance. And it's making sure that uh, the normality of life is there. And that's a challenge. As so many people... Uh, and especially young people were disconnecting from conversations with real people. Yeah. And the, they can spend all their time on a video game dying, uh, falling down things with no consequence. So it's about uh, giving them the opportunities to try things, risk, uh, bruise their knuckles, yeah. uh, feel sore, sore muscles, um, feel improvement and actually connect in an analog world yes. and I think that is a real challenge uh, I was having a really interesting conversation with a principal last night and he he actually doesn't think that kids have less resilience these days, he just feels that there is more to be resilient from <laughs> and, and yeah. uh, we've, we're also seeing unfortunately a huge amount of social issues that our kids are having to deal with and uh, I think that's uh, it's going to increase. Uh, it's not a political statement, but there is uh, more and more people that are really struggling at the bottom end of wages and salaries. Yep. And as a result, often the, the things that we'd love for them to do, like camps, just aren't an option. So, And mum, mum and dad don't do that sort of stuff, so they don't get it. 
that way either. Yeah, so the old Kiwi mentality of, you know, having a beach batch and going tenting and, and stuff is just not open to some people anymore. Yeah, and I guess one of the things we've tried to do is we've taken on a uh, climbing wall and we've reduced the prices to to try to suit uh, lower budgets uh, because getting kids active and uh, something like climbing is really cool because if they uh, hang on, they, they climb well. If they fall off, they if they let go, they fall off. And there's lots of lessons in it and it's physical and it's mental and it's social and, and so on. There's, I, I think one of the things I'd really like to see is more free and cheap staff and parents and organisations knowing where they can take uh, young people and, and, and themselves really and to do that stuff, we've yeah. got an amazing asset uh, here in Hawke's Bay, which is Tomato Peak. And it, it's really heartening to see thousands of people spending so much time up on that place, biking and running and walking and, and being, uh, being active. And I guess that's one of the challenges is to make sure that uh, people are living yeah, uh, I had, had a friend that his favourite quote was, you know, for him the outdoors was the difference between existing and living. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. I really like that, and I, because you know we're all just we are existing, and it's nice to actually feel that we've you know lived life. Yeah, and actually feel the wind on your face and breathe the fresh air and feel the rain and. Yeah, it's, it's hard to put into words what it really is all about because it's it's multi-dimensional. Uh, some of the uh, coolest times of my life was actually, you know, in a rainstorm where it's tough and it's, uh, it's not pleasant, but it's really enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, in a perverse way, eh? It's yeah, quite yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I think half the listeners have just said, yeah, he's mad. <laughs> but <laughs> but no, there's something in that, and um, you feel alive. <laughs> yeah, feel alive. Yeah, and, and and that's the thing. I mean, I like thinking back to my last coast to coast. I had so much fun. I remember just feeling really blessed to be there, to have the opportunity to put myself on the line, and there's this social interaction during the race, and it's you know I was never going to win, uh, <laughs> but just that feeling and, and getting to the end and going, you know, I think it's 244Ks and you started with your feet in the uh, West Coast Sea and then you're putting your feet in the East Coast Sea. Awesome. And just knowing that you just made that, the whole thing. Yeah. Um, on your own feet, on your own power. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I've been thinking a lot about... I've been asked a few, quite a lot lately, what have you achieved? And the funny thing is that so often, uh, to be honest, I haven't achieved much because there's always a we in it. So when I'm often asked when, you know, what have you achieved, I say, well, we have. Yeah. Because uh, something like the Coast to Coast, yeah, you're under your own power, but you need a support crew. Yeah. Um, and interesting enough, my support crew both, uh, times in 2010 and 2011 was uh, made up with Nicole who um, was the girl that we organised the 
the race for the yes yeah the, the secondary the school yeah so she was yeah so she was my uh, my lead support crew person and um, and a couple other ones from from that race so it was fun of a come around you know give give out and it comes back so yeah and and the same thing with the trust I mean we've achieved heaps because we've had people you know grant organisations we've had uh, you know some donations we've had people come out and volunteer. And and the crew, you know, my my poor guys. I mean, they they work a lot harder than we certainly pay them for. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and one of them, uh, you know, he'll constantly email me at uh, you know five past twelve, saying, "Oh, I'm just working on this," <laughs> because we're all all so passionate about it. And I, I think that's the other lesson is knowing that you you need other people. We're not. The be all and end all, and it's a real pity it's when teamwork. Even on podiums, where it really should be a bigger podium. Yeah, it should, it should be have, you know, them the, and the team. The wife that's there, or the husbands that's there, the um, the, the the dad that's um, showed them what to do, and uh, yeah, and it, you'd have to have a pretty big podium. And for us, and certainly, would have to be a big podium for people <laughs> to get in and support uh, what. Well, we do. But again, that's another thing that you learn by doing all this sort of stuff is, is teamwork and the importance of camaraderie, the importance of, of giving more than you take, um, of going the extra mile. These are all lessons that you're talking, you know, from just your conversation that you, you, you can pick out from what you do and from the work in the outdoors. Um, yeah, it's just so much reconnection. Now, um, Give give yourself a plug for the uh, triple triple peaks event. Tell us about that a little bit and um, and how people can get get involved. Yeah, cool. Uh, so the triple peaks it's been going for twenty eight years, and it's here in Hawke's Bay. It's really unique because it starts off in a little village. It starts off in Havelock North, and it's a 46.7 k uh, course, and it's uh, over three mountains. So Mount Erin, Mount Kararenaki, and then over to Mata, and then back into the village. Crosses the Tukituki River uh, twice, and it's it's a really special day out in, in Hawke's Bay. The terrain's interesting. There's uh, mainly uh, open paddocks, and, and there's a bit of native bush and, and forestry. But the views are just something something really spectacular and is this just something for hardcore ultra marathon runners or can you know your everyday warrior get out there and have a go yeah everyday warrior uh, we so you can do it on foot so you can run it or walk it and our biggest uh, number of competitors are over 50 women walking wow um, and you can do it on a mountain bike and you can do both of those as a team also. So you can do as a three-person team, so you peak each, or you can do it as a five-person team uh, with we're breaking the peaks up. So that, that works really well for uh, just the, the average Joe. What sort of numbers yeah. do you get there? Numbers? Yeah. Um, so, uh, it fluctuates between 700 and 800. Um, wow. But we're, we're looking for a record this year. Yeah. Uh, and we we're also raising money for for World Vision uh, through uh, well people can actually basically race and raise money for World Vision um, because uh, again a, a friend of mine's the CEO and they're just doing some fantastic stuff so we wanted to create something that was locally and globally focused mm-hmm. because anything that we we make from the event 
um, on the on the unlike green uh, green cat. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm hearing you. Um, it, well, it goes back into the work we're doing. So, and then we've got the uh, the global uh, focus of the uh, the world vision stuff too. So, where can people um, sign up and get involved? Because it's um it's, it's coming up it's coming up soon, isn't it? Uh, so it's uh the it's in March. Um, so it's a really good time to you know hook up with you guys. Yeah, hook up um, with us at Running Hot Coaching. We'll help you get there. <laughs> good plug. Yeah, I, I've actually been saying that to people. Often people just simply say uh, they can't do it, and yeah. I think actually finding uh, the tools and the the support that they need is actually really what they're looking for. And yeah, so um, TrollPeaksChallenge.co.nz is uh, is our website. Uh, we haven't got. We haven't gone live for the entries. We'll do that in uh, November. Yep. And um, then, um, yeah, basically, so people uh, can start know, thinking about it. And yeah. Start walking, to work, walking working towards it. It's a shame that it's in March, the same time as my Northburn event. Otherwise, I know. I know. We didn't time that very well, do we, mate? Yeah. No. Because no. I'd actually love to come and do that one and just walk, run it, and have some fun over there and and be a part of, of that, but I'll probably be down south. <laughs> so We're after you, eh? I think, what what date is yours? Uh, uh, 19th. Yeah, no, same day. <laughs> oh, is it really? Yeah, same weekend, mate. Oh, man. Yeah, we'll have to change that next year, okay? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, event coordinators, you know, we do need to talk to each other. <laughs> yeah, well, this is the thing. There's so many events in New Zealand, and it's just, um, you know, which is fantastic, and that shows also the level of interest there is, and outdoor you know ultra marathons and marathons and you know trekking and and all sorts multi-sport events and triathlons it's, it's a huge you know new zealand has got a huge uh, selection to choose from and um, there's a lot of passionate people out there doing a good job running these events and i think um a lot of people have the misconstrued idea that you earn a lot of money if you're doing the events well um <laughs> Maybe if you're uh, one of the big stars or something in the Auckland Marathon, maybe, but um, not for most of us. So, um, you know, if you if you do go to an event, appreciate the people that are putting it on. If there's little um, hiccups out there, don't go and shoot anybody for it because a lot of people are doing it on the smell of an oily rag um, and don't get a lot of um, gratitude for it, eh? <laughs> yeah. I don't know about you, but I uh, after I started doing event management, I suddenly looked at uh, events different. Yeah. You know, I actually remember getting really annoyed at a, a event director in the past. And yeah. then now going, actually, you no, poor bugger. Stand what he was. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know, because it is a very ungrateful job. If, if it's going right, no one will tell you, but if it's going wrong, they certainly will. <laughs> well, I mean, we, um, I'm pretty blessed in the fact that we've had, um, you know, some, we've got some fantastic people who, uh, actually acknowledge that and will come and you know thank you for their, their events and so on it's cool and one of the lessons in life I guess is that uh, complainers are quick um, complimenters are slow <laughs> so you'll you'll have something will happen and then um, you'll have all these complainers come and go oh I got lost or uh, look I mean the classic for us we had to change the events um, because of uh, the possibility of the cyclone coming oh heck and, you know, we had no choice, yep. and um, I'd spent uh, four days marking the course, oh, um, no. and we uh, I'd marked the whole course, and just knowing uh, 
knowing what I knew about where the, where the course was and how the weather, if it came through, would affect people's uh, health and safety. Yeah. Uh, I knew that we, we might have ended up with uh, people in hospital and possibly even in a box. Yeah. Um, because, again, people go out there and, and they're right on the edge of the ability. Uh, may not, they may not carry enough equipment or they don't. And uh, you just can't have that risk. And we had uh, good old social media getting smashed on social media by yeah. certain people. And I, it was really funny uh, because we ended up having them run up and down the peak three times. And a guy um, said, oh, now it's just an easy thing. Oh, what? It's a challenge. Oh. And <laughs> he, he was like, oh, it's shorter. And he's just going up and down the peak three times. Send him my way, mate, to the North Burn 100. I'll sort him out. <laughs> if he tries it's to sign up again this year he changed his mind because uh, it was it was actually harder exactly it was, it was just hard we had um, two thirds of the men that was an interesting thing two thirds of the men pulled out of the uh, the event wow uh, because you had to run to the top then pass everyone in the um, the TA yeah up to the top and um you know, there was always that temptation just to stop. Just to stop. It. It's actually psychologically very, very difficult. We have it at Northburn too where we're going around the 100 mile and they come through base camp. They have three different loops, but they come through base camp three times. Um, and it's, you know, that second time when it's the middle of the night and it's freezing cold and you've got to hit up the mountain again, yep. um, that's a point where we lose a lot because it's it's just so much to overcome to get, to get yourself back out there out into the loneliness of the of the mountain and usually wild wild weather it's pretty hardcore <laughs> only the hardest and toughest actually you know can get out there again and push themselves through that um david we are almost out of time for today i'd just like to thank you for sharing your stories sharing your passion um at the kiwi adventure trust so where can people find you on there uh yeah, kiwi-adventure.co.nz. Right, kiwi-adventure. Um, yeah, if they're on Facebook, um, I'm pretty open if they want to Facebook me um, and become a friend. Or uh, we've got uh, a lot of Facebook pages. We've got one for the Troll Pigs, uh, one for the Go for 12, uh, and also one for the uh, the Kiwi Adventure Trust. So like us, like the old Kiwi Adventure Trust, we like uh, to share our stories. Absolutely, and I think you know you're the type of man who's got uh, many goals and many passions, and and we look forward to accompanying you on your coast to coast journey with through running hot coaching and getting you you know out there for your own goals. Um, and I've got a, a kid, a friend of mine, uh, a, a little cousin who I need to see on your unemployed uh, program, please. <laughs> do with some sorting out uh, that would be really good right David thanks very much for being on the show today we look forward to catching up with you very soon mate always a pleasure thanks Lisa okay cheers you've been listening to Pushing the Limits brought to you by Running Hot Coaching your online health and fitness coaching platform for more information visit us at www.runninghotcoaching.com 